Welcome to the Mark Explains Podcast, where we discuss anything from science and faith to politics, aliens, sex, and everything in between. My name is Mark, and I'm the host of this podcast, along with my best friend, Ashlyn. I am a chemist and geoscientist, and I studied at Michigan State University, but I am also a former evangelical worship leader, and I also did search and rescue from the back of a helicopter in the U.S. Coast Guard stationed all the way in Alaska over a decade ago. My life is replete with really unique stories and connections with the most unique people on this planet. And my goal in this podcast is to bring those conversations to as many of you as I can, and to hopefully bring laughter, peace, knowledge, and healing to all of you that listen. Welcome to the Mark Explains Podcast. Turn it Don't turn mine. Don't turn mine down. <laughs> What's up, Dick? <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, guys, for coming out. This is super cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this is Mark Explains Podcast and your, your first podcast. It is. That's so cool, man. Welcome to the podcast world, uh, which is always really interesting your first time in. Um it's good to see you, buddy. It's, it's been, been a, a minute. A little bit. It's been a long... It's like all summer. I don't think we've done anything all summer. No. Dude, it was your, your wife's birthday yesterday. Yep. Happy birthday, Jess. Yeah. Hopefully she had a good one. That's kind of been the focus of the... I was off this week, so wanted to try to deliver a, a happy birthday and give her a good good week. How do you guys know each other? Uh, through volleyball, I think, originally. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think so. Was it volleyball? I mean, because I know you—you you didn't know Juju before that, right? I—I I met Juju through volleyball as well, so I don't know the—I guess—the order of operations, but yeah, probably met Juju through volleyball, then you through Juju, yeah, also volleyball, and then I almost worked with you. When you yeah. say volleyball, do you, is this like an adult league? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it was—it was like sand by, It's like the the beach volleyball. They do. Oh. Like you still run a lot of it, right? In town, I mean, more or less. You're yeah. So I I run several volleyball charitable tournaments. Um, uh, I've been in the local volleyball scene for you know, like twenty years. Um, before I just cut my hair, so I had long you hair. You did, dude. You a have big beard. really long. So hair. I was like the volleyball Jesus, because like <laughs> if anyone ever wants to run a volleyball fundraiser, whatever, they come talk to me, because um, I've been doing it for like twelve years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really got into volleyball, met a great group of people, um, and it's really become like a good vehicle for me, like a vehicle to do good for uh, other people. So Yeah, well, that's you, really cool. you always do the digs for Sue each year, yeah. um, which I don't know the full story, but I know that it was a lady named Sue yeah. who passed, and there was a fundraiser for her that went like one year, and it was really successful. So then you just keep doing it, and then you donate the money to the cause from which she passed. Is that right? Uh, so or the similar? cause is Ellie's place. So, Ellie's place. Yeah, that's right. They that's provide right. Uh, it's a local charity um, and they provide free grief counseling for teens and uh, kids that oh, are cool. dealing with loss. So um, they're a fantastic organization. Um, they work really well with us. It's always been a really good relationship between the two of us. Oh, that's really cool. That that's really neat. How, how long is, uh, how long has that been going on? Uh, it's, this was our 12th year. So oh, quite some time now. Yeah, I think we're up to uh, between all the events. So it's a two-day event now every single year. A uh, little over $50,000. Is raised each year? Well, no, combined. Oh, yeah. That would be nice if I could I was do like, oh, 50 a pop. But nope, that's <laughs> No, the, that's, that's the incredible, decade. though, man. Yeah, because I, 
I was in it like a decade ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was me and Juge. We were on some kind of a team and we played. Um, d- d- don't you remember the, the years of beach volleyball back at BCC? Mm-hmm. <laughs> were oh, you yeah. Ever, you were ever there for that? Yeah, for sure. That kind of extended once me and Juge came back to Lansing. Once we moved back, we found like the, the beach volleyball niche in town. And that's where we met uh, this guy. Dude. I, so the whole reason why we're having you on is I have followed your like your content on Facebook pretty much since the start of COVID. This is really when it when it all started happening for me. And the reason why, and I've always in the back of my mind, I'm like, I need to have Eric on. I need to have Eric, Eric on. And the reason why is because you always like patiently wait for the ruckus to die down like a week or two after some major event. And then you post this like beautifully scripted uh, very, very eloquent post uh, about whatever the current topic is. The most recent one was uh, the student loan reimbursement, which got me thinking because uh, you went to college. I did. And you have a degree in? Michigan State uh, Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. Okay. And I, I, I went for chemistry and geological sciences. And uh, I didn't even know that the student loan reimbursement was coming through mm-hmm. until like it was done. It was like already passed and there was like an uproar. And I was like, what is everyone talking about student loans for and student loan forgiveness? I was like, that'd be cool if they, you know, wiped it clean or whatever. And then everyone's like something about $10,000. And I was like, what are they talking? So I'd like go in and do research. I didn't even know it was coming. Mm-hmm. Like, did you, did you know, like, were you following th- th- as it went along? Yeah. I mean, it was part of the whole campaign uh, promises for uh, going into the election. So it's always kind of been on the back burner and really people have kind of been wondering, you know, where has it been? It's been, you know, a couple of years since the, the last election. So yeah, I, this, I've seen it, it coming. For is this like a, a ploy for Biden to be, be reelected? Is that what he's, is this what it is? A, a lot of people speculate that, but I, I find it hard to believe. Like from a political standpoint, you're not expanding your base. Like I don't think the Democrats are hurting for college educated uh, individuals. <laughs> it's, no. It, I mean, it, it's really the, uh, uh, the more non-college educated that are the base that the Democrats would like to reach out to. And really this is just pissing those people off. Did it did it do any good? Do you think that the 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 ten thousand dollar payoff did it do any good? Seems like it's a drop in the bucket. I I don't have massive student loan debt. That's not something. But you can project. With it, just seems like from what people people in your guys' shoes, a lot of times you pay on student loans. You know, I don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have it all. I don't know. I'm speculating that. But people who have big student loans, it just seems like they'll pay on it forever and then and then so what does ten thousand dollars ultimately do you know it just seems like that's very insignificant you know to where it doesn't actually make a huge impact at all Is it, was that similar to the post that you post i can't remember exactly yeah. what you so, said so i mean it, it nothing's passed yet nothing's done no one's received ten thousand oh, dollars really? no one's guaranteed I, I to receive ten thousand i haven't even i haven't even checked no it, it's still <laughs> i uh, thought i already got it i was like what what oh, nice. <laughs> you're gonna have to apply for that it doesn't oh, just wait, occur i have to apply yes you have to apply for it where do i apply uh, you're going to have to Google it. I mean, oh, my I'm gosh. Sure. Well, it's is... not passed yet. It's Correct. No, nowhere yet. Oh, it's yeah. not passed. Yeah. I thought it was an executive order. But there are legal arguments against it, so it has to play out through the courts for a while. So it's really leaving everybody in limbo. Because um, it was kind of like you mentioned, you know, I- I've been kind of paying attention, but for 
the majority of people, it kind of did seem like it came out of left field. Like, where oh, is yeah. this coming from? I had no idea. And I mean, to respond to, to what Ashton was saying, like it's a drop in the bucket. I started thinking about it because at first I was like, oh, cool. Everyone gets $10,000. This is great. And there was such a huge pushback, more from the conservative side than anything else. Um, and a lot of my friends that have a very strong conservative viewpoint, they were like, uh, you know, you can't pay your student loans and then you go and buy a bunch of frappes from the Starbucks. And, Avocado and, toast. Yeah, yeah and, you know, and I'm just like, why do, first of all, why do you think I can't pay my student loans, you know? Um, like, that, that, that's a strange argument. But second of all, I'm like, I didn't even ask for this. Mm-hmm. I did. I had no idea it was coming. Absolutely no idea it was coming. And then I really started thinking after you posted something and it was a really good post. I think it had you were basically making the case for if anything would have been done, I think it should have been to regulate the interest rates or something along the lines of that, which we can touch on in a minute. But I was like, you know, for those that have loans, I think I have, there's maybe around 35 or $40,000 in loans, I think left. Maybe, I don't know. I have to go and look, I don't pay attention. I just pay whatever it is, you know? Um, uh, For those that have loans, this really, cause it doesn't change the payment. It won't change your, 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 the monthly payment that you have. Um, and for those that have loans, really, it's kind of a drop in the bucket. I mean, for me, it'd be a quarter of my principal paid off, mm-hmm. which isn't bad, but I'd still pay every month. And for those that aren't paying and just in default, it's not going to make much yeah. of a difference. So all around, it really didn't make much of a difference. And I was like, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know how I really feel about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I, I don't agree with what the conservatives are saying, but I definitely, I was just like, hmm. I just think it could probably, if, if someone wanted to attack the problem and have meaningful legislation around student loan debt, I don't think that a $10,000, you know, uh, gift to everyone is really going to do anything. Like long-term meaningful that's going to change things. It just seems like... The real problem is it's a system set up, what feels like a system set up to control people for a long time, you know, to keep people paying a loan, you know, keep people in debt, keep keep people in that position. And it, it seems like a more meaningful way to approach it would probably be around the interest rates. And yeah, why isn't anyone talking about The loan about terms. That? And how about the costs of education to begin with? Well... To, to get a degree that may or may not be super helpful for you for the next 50 right. years. Right. You know, like the whole system itself probably needs some attention. It's not just as this $10,000. That sounds really good. You know, if you're going to get $10,000, I can see how that is positive. But I don't think it's meaningful long term, yeah. if that makes sense. To build on your point, there's a small sliver where this will actually help. Like if you have under $10,000 worth of loans, you're probably more than capable of paying those off. I mean, if your balance is less than a common loan for a vehicle, Mm -hmm. then no one has a problem paying off their vehicle. You probably would have been able to pay it off by yourself. Yeah. Uh, And then if you're, uh, you have the, the lawyers and the high earners that, do have monumental amounts of debt. Eight, 12 years, you know, of yeah. education to pay for, sure. But yeah. I, I, they have the high incomes to pay it off. Mm-hmm. Then you have those who don't have the degrees, the high earning degrees that have lots of debt. And like you said, drop in the bucket. But you do, like, I, I think you actually fit that market, Mark, where 
it will help you. It's mm. going to drop. It down. will. Yeah. I like, mean, it'll take my th- my my forty year payoff down to thirty five years yeah. or whatever. I mean, it, it's kind of a drop in the bucket. It's a big drop. But it, really who it helps is like our friend Andy Bailey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know him. I don't know if you know him. Uh, Andy has $7,500 in, in student debt left. He has been paying faithfully for 20 years mm-hmm. or a little bit more. And uh, he now is in that threshold where it will wipe it out completely. Mm-hmm. Now, it won't wipe out mine. I, I, I'm not sure if it's going to wipe, if it would wipe out yours. Um, but he, like, he's primed for that. But I'm just like, I'm thinking like how many people really in in the US that are going to get this payout like how many really are going to benefit in that capacity like it it's not that many yeah and i believe it's a 400 billion dollar price tag is what they yeah like a right around there yeah. yeah and but you know i really the one thing i don't like the argument that that comes against it is like uh, that i hear often is is you know the argument against college and against the frivolous degrees. And you know, I, I get it. There are a lot of degrees that probably don't translate to a lot of jobs that you see. Um, you know, like you get a degree in fine arts and then go become a barista. That's like, you know, the, that's like the prime example I've heard a thousand times. But we do need college, just like we need people that work in the trades. We need both. You know, yeah. we, we need people, we need biochemists, you know, we need we need engineers, we need computer science people that build the phones that are that are listening to this, you know, podcast right now came from people with degrees. So like it's it, it, it's everything. You need you need all of it. Um, now has college become a complete business and overpriced for degrees? Yeah. Yeah, it has. But that, I mean, that's just the cause and effect of, you know, rising costs. But really, really where this this whole issue distills down is the interest rates that are built in. Because I don't just have one loan. I have um, a subsidized loan and an unsubsidized loan and a Perkins loan. And a there's an, a different loan. I'm not sure. Like I lose track. Mm-hmm. I lose track of my loans, but they're all, you know, clumped together and you just do one payment. But those are all different sources from different banks with all different interest rates. And the fact that those interest rates aren't controlled in any capacity is why I never thought about that. I just, you know, sign it across the dotted lines. I want to get my education. I mean, I feel like my degree is helping me. But man, um, your your post, and I can't remember, I, if you could think back a little bit to it and, and uh, kind of like highlight what your, your point was. Because when I was reading through it, I was like, this is the best, you know, amount of like basically the, the, the information that was distilled down. It was presented the best way that I'd ever heard it mm-hmm. because I had never thought of it that way. Um, like what, what exactly was the point that you were, you were trying to get across when you were thinking about all that? Uh, so I touched on the bands of the, the populations that would be positively impacted or not impacted at all. Um, and that it would be a fairly small portion of this segment of the population being the people that have student loans. Um, and it, it just kind of seems like everything was rushed and hastily put out there as a solution. And as you mentioned, like this is do- doing nothing to touch uh, the tuition costs themselves, which are more likely to go up. Like if everyone's going into school with the assumption that, okay, well, 
the people in front of me got a bailout. Now I'm going to get a bailout. Hmm. That just kind of opens the door for universities to charge even more. So it, it, oh, if I anything, mean, it's a negative towards tuition. So, so it, hold on. I got a question. So if, if we end up making college free, I mean, in a sense, it's not going to be free. It will be paid for through some kind of, you know, subsidized tax. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean that the colleges can be like, oh, well, the price for tuition now is going to go through the roof because the consumer is not paying for it and it's just going to be taxed and they'll just charge that fee to the federal government? Is that how it would work? Uh, most likely. You kind of see that with healthcare. Like everyone has to be insured. So once you're insured, then the hospital doesn't feel much remorse for charging you, you know, $150 for an aspirin because they're going to charge the insurance. The insurance then charges you. So, you know, it, it kind of, it creates that divide. And same thing if you have uh, government subsidized completely college, like what is to, I, I guess, rein in the, the tuition costs? Like if the government's it just would, gonna cut a check. It would go rampant. I, I mean, theoretically, well, I mean, you have like, to regulate it. And I'm not an expert in, in uh, fin- the finance of education and I'm not an expert in the finance of medicine, but it seems like, Countries that have some version of a single payer government sponsored healthcare system, the government also can control the costs of that. So, like in countries that do this successfully, um, you know, Canada and then, you know, Sweden and the, you know, Denmark, these countries that have, you know, some version of that, they control the costs of the healthcare because the government is the single payer. So, I, I don't know that. You know, it, it's not like insurance. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, in in America right now, yeah, costs are out of control because it's all, it's, you know, built into the capitalism machine. Insurance companies now write the checks, so prices are jacked way up because providers know that insurance companies are going to pay it, and that's just how, it, you know, everything is inflated. It's almost like they're not real numbers. If you go get an MRI or you go get any kind of procedure done, you get this ridiculous bill where aspirin costs fifty dollars. You know, j- yeah. just just stupid numbers that are put on paper that are absolutely false and they mean nothing. But I think once there's a level of regulation where the government is now the one writing the check, I think that helps to control the cost to some degree. You know, I would argue. I, again, I'm not an expert. Yeah. We're talking. We're talking about something way outside of my purview. <laughs> yeah, I think, but too, yeah. it, it would. Lo- the logic to me says similar to how. Those countries that have successfully implemented some version of socialized health care, that they are able to control those costs of the medicine itself. Mm-hmm. I would think the same thing would apply to college education. If we had some kind of single payer system, um, you know, where you could elect to go get a degree and it would cost, you know, there would like Michigan's done that. You can go if you're, you know, at a certain age and you don't have a degree, you can go to a community college for free anywhere in mm-hmm. the state of Michigan in your district. Um, and it right costs now? you. Yeah, right now. I could. I don't have a degree. Technically, I have credits, but no degree. So I could go to um, Kellogg Community College completely free and get a, get an associate's degree and pay nothing at all. That's incredible. Yeah, we have that. And, and I think the fact that we have that, um, that drives the cost of that degree down to some degree. Because now the now the government, now the state has to pay for it. And, you know, so they're going so they to solicit it. They're the going to, yep. So, right. so th- they're going to push for those prices to be exactly. as low as possible. They're going to regulate it and work with the institutions to regulate the costs because the state is now paying for it. Interesting. I wonder, I wonder if that will, in a sense, water down the college's 
uh, push to keep the highest um, level of education. I mean, if they're if they're being forced to keep the cost low, I wonder if they're going to start to you know reduce the quality of the education given. I think you kind of see that with virtual education right now. Is, oh, with like Grand Canyon University or... Or, I mean, even, you Phoenix, know, when um, everyone had to adjust to the pandemic. So all these lectures have been now recorded for Michigan State, and I'm sure they were before the pandemic as well. Um, that can be a completely different business model that they can hmm. attack, is, you know, is present these lectures that already occur, do some updating, um, and then, you know provide that as a, uh, a package to uh, customers. And you can get free services similar to that online right now. Like edX, you can get, you know, take Harvard courses through edX.org. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're taking the same video lectures. You don't get the college credit for it. Yeah. But if you're looking for the education, there's a lot of free. They've had know, that for years. You can yeah. go to, there's an app, an Apple-designed app called iTunes U. And you can just go and audit hundreds and hundreds of different college courses on any topic and you can listen to every lecture and you can see really every outline and yeah Khan mm -hmm. Academy has a lot of mm -hmm. stuff out there too. yeah Khan Academy I, I lived on Khan Academy through, yeah. that's what got me through college yeah. that's how I learned out all that's how I learned all my or, orgo I, I there's no way I would have gotten through college without Khan Academy I think I, go ahead no and you might see an evolution um I I know there are headlines I can't remember uh um, some large institution, whether it might be Apple, Google, somebody, they're moving away from the, the degree requirements altogether. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more focus towards people obtaining certificates. So instead of going to a four-year degree, you're taking a you know, three-month course in uh, programming language that you know, is a needed oh, skill. So it's, it's more niche. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more focused. That's really interesting. Well, it's, I think that's really smart of companies to hire people with a really focused education background. Yeah. You know, to say, like, are you are you really good at these five skills that we need in this role and or in this group of roles or in this career path you might have at this company? You know, you don't need four years of nonsense, you know, four years of a little bit of everything that can be helpful. You know, I'm not advocating against it. I'm just mm -hmm. saying it's smart, I think, for these companies to look at and say, do you have these exact skills and can we hone in on those and, and you know, find ways for you to just learn what you need for That's this really job. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. were, were you a, a Bernie fan? Uh, I do like Bernie. He, he's a bit extreme from my <laughs> normal course, but like my number one criteria for liking a politician is if I get the sense that they have my best interests at heart. It's like we can disagree on policy, but if I think your intentions are you know, legitimately trying to be helpful, um, that goes a long way for me, no matter where you sit on the political spectrum. Do you think that Bernie ever had a realistic chance? Uh, probably not. I mean, <laughs> when you look at some of the, uh, um, I mean, he far exceeded what anybody anticipated he him was, doing. I mean, is he a self-proclaimed socialist? I mean, he, he, he wears ish, the badge pretty well. Ish, right? he's, he, yeah, he's not he afraid to say socialist. Yeah, he's not afraid to say the word, which is, yeah. which is pretty powerful. I mean, he, but he would say he's a democratic socialist. Democratic he draws a socialist. distinction between democratic socialism and like Marxism, like, you know, Eastern yeah. European socialism. It's so funny that people use the word socialism as like a, 
as like as like a, a slam. You call me, you know, you know like it's like the same weight that it had. You know? Yeah, but we it's, have so many social programs like Social Security, yeah. Medicare, like all of these like institutions that we've gotten used to now. But it's just a different form of socialism. What about those streets you're driving on there, bro? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you ever see the snow the snow plows out there plowing those roads? Damn socialists. <laughs> do you ever do you think that uh socialized healthcare will ever come to pass here in the US? Uh, uh probably not because I mean even the the liberal uh you know Obamacare that we have, I mean, that's very similar to what Mitt Romney was putting out there. So even the Wait. left is pretty central compared to the rest of the, the country. Or less, Mitt, rest Mitt of Romney world. was trying to centralize health care? Mm-hmm. For Utah, when he was the governor of Utah. Isn't he, isn't he Republican? Absolutely. That's the thing. Like, the thing no one talks about Obamacare is Obamacare is actually more of a Republican platform back in the day before he pushed it through. What? And just everybody kind of uh, conservatives, put, you know, moved very far to the right. That that played a big part into uh, um, that election cycle when it was Obama versus Romney, because the number one thing that conservatives really wanted to hit Obama with was Obamacare, because at the time it was very unpopular, but it was very difficult to do because Obamacare was essentially Mitt Romney care back in Utah. I didn't know that. So that was a conservative push that it, it, very similar to what mm-hmm. conservatives had pushed so so obama in order so he took he took the idea and ran with it well, or i think he knew that single payer wasn't going to fly so his idea was that all right well i'll kind of you know compromise which you never really hear about anymore but he put he put forth the compromise which is really very similar to what romney had put forth in the past but then the whole conservative side moved way away from it. So it, it, Mitch McConnell was very open in saying during the Obama administration that his job is to obstruct. Nothing gets passed. Even if it's something that they agree with, nothing Why? gets passed. That's it, so frustrating. Today, and it's getting worse. It's, <laughs> my job is to obstruct. I, isn't it a job to serve the people? I, I, feel like, I feel like that would be the number one position of those in Congress or the Senate is to find the common ground not to obstruct. That's you would, ridiculous. You would think that, but even Democrats couldn't pass their own legislation to prevent Congress people from holding individual stocks. Like that happened recently. You know, like, I've been I've been on TikTok. I'm a TikToker. What's up? <laughs> uh, and my, my algorithm is so strange, but I'm I keep coming across these. Um, it's these people that are watching the moves of uh, like the Congress people or the people in Senate and what they are buying stocks or selling stocks in and then like where they sit on the boards of different, uh, you know, uh, the boards of different companies and this and that. And a lot of the like a lot of the Congress uh, men and women are like they sit on boards of like um, energy companies, uh, battery companies and all these things. And you just see them like offloading stock, buying stock all the, like here and there often. And these, these TikToks like highlight these things. And then they like try to go in and tie them into like modern, uh, like things that are like the, the pipeline that blew up. Uh, the Nord Stream Nord. Yeah. That it was, I don't, I don't even think it was active, right? It wasn't uh, even an active 
natural gas line, or was it? It must have been active in some regard because when they oh, made the explosion, guess, yeah. you could see the natural gas. It was coming up. up. Yeah. Did, did did you hear about that? I know nothing about that. Really? Nothing. So it was it was so strange because it was like um, Nancy Pelosi bought a ton of stock in some some natural energy company um this and that and then you find out she sits on the board of that energy company and then like three days later um like i guess they were they were reporting be like this would be a huge move if this company could get into europe uh when it comes to natural gas because it's like a company that liquefies natural gas and puts it on barges and and everyone's saying well it's not really it's not really needed because you know europe doesn't really need natural gas they have those big pipelines three days later boom they both blow up and then her company's stock shoots through the roof and so everyone now you're looking and you're like okay did she like fucking blow up these gas pipelines i mean like i don't think that you know not necessarily probably her, not yeah. but it's not unlikely that she didn't have some information about yeah. something. Something. You know, like, yeah. there's, you know, that seems, like, pretty coincidental. Yeah. Pretty We've crazy. been a couple weeks ahead through our intelligence on every move that Russia's made. Just, like, yeah. Russia was doing the military exercises by the border. Like, nope, they're going to invade. Like, we've, we, we've been calling out their next play for the entire, you know, time. So really? it wouldn't be unreasonable to uh, imagine that uh, there could be some, you know, there were viable threats, like, Russia's going to bomb this pipeline. Not that uh, Nancy Pelosi did that. Sure, I'm not so sure, sure that, you know, uh, because the individual stocks that Congress people own, like you said, it's tracked. So, you know. Oh, it, yeah, it's all public. Yeah. So, you know, how uh, apparent do you want to be? Um, but it, it's very possible that uh, that there was inside information and she, she saw the same thing before the pandemic like she knew that the russians were going to potentially potentially pot is very possible so she all of a sudden sits on the board buy a bunch of stock all of a sudden it happens that looks shady as fuck sorry that looks so shady i i don't know how i feel about that i mean look at the there were several congress people that uh dumped all their stocks like when they were first uh informed or you know uh uh um, told of the like in February of 2020, of, the pandemic was coming. Absolutely. So they like All right, so sell everything, and they. That was actually pretty dumb. Yeah, like, there was a, well, I mean, probably there was, a small crash at the beginning, but, but then it came back. Things up. things fired yeah. up. Keep yeah. rolling for a second. Things are crazy. So um, we got we got too deep too quick. I think Eric, it's what's probably the most important thing, and we forgot to do this. Uh, every guest on the show has to tell us if they would rather have pubes for teeth or teeth for pubes. <laughs> and why? And why. Well, I, I mean, I'm assuming like you can have dentures if you have pubes for teeth, Ooh. correct? No. If Ooh. you have pubes for teeth, it's, that's it. You have to keep the pubes in your mouth. You can't. And it's not like you, if you have teeth for pubes, you can't like trim them. Shave, or no, no, all natural. Sits as is. I think I still might take pubes for teeth. Like Ooh. you can still digest, like I mean, you have to eat through like straws. You're just and eating such. macaroni. I feel like that's life. less common. Like we've done this like a dozen times now, yep, and we're for pubes. I'm pretty sure we should have tracked it. Oh, I'm pretty sure God. most people would rather have teeth for pubes. Like you, you know? couldn't do anything though. Like you couldn't play sports anymore because like the teeth would <laughs> cause issues. Like you just file them down. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm sure he's just yeah, some weird jockster. Especially yeah, coming out of the pandemic, kind of most of the time you could wear a mask. No one even knows you have pubes for teeth. Oh. Why didn't people think about this? He'll never eat meat again. Yeah. Are you a meat eater? I am. Okay. I'm a carnivore. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I could live with that. Mm. That's really... Uh, I'm going teeth for pubes all day still. Yeah, all day. I think that was my original answer. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to have a second set of chompers to where you could eat food here and there. That'd be cool. So you could eat twice. Yeah, you as could fast. share. You could share with yourself. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a reoccurring question for years. Uh, it, I think it first it first surfaced like episode. Man, what was that episode? Like, like six three, or seven? Four? Yeah, back in 2018. And since then, it's just it's more or less. Do you mind, Mark? It's more. Are you, are you gonna pull a card? Yeah. All right. Cool? So we're we're gonna do a tarot card. Okay. I, do you do you believe in in tarot? tarot? I do not. Do you have a particular religious or astrology or reason? Uh, no, no. Just logical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, two two type of people. There's two type of people that don't believe in uh, tarot card readings or the mystics, and it's religious people and those that are like very highly educated. Those two types of people. And those are the two opposite spectrums, typically. The rest of us morons. Yep. If you if you fall in the middle somewhere, <laughs> fucking morons believe this. Actually, I, I strangely, I, 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 I hate to admit that there has been, oh, you need the book. You need the book? Oh, yeah. I thought we were just going to pull a card and then just decide and have a discussion about the card. I, I mean, we oh, can yeah. Do, Oh, we need the book. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. Okay. All right. So this is this for me. Am I going to pull a card? Is this? Do you pull a card for yourself, though? Yeah. Is that how it works? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you typically go, go like this. Oh, see, whatever one yeah. falls out. Oh, it's a... It, yeah. It's kind of like a, a natural... That might have been some sleight of hand, though, that you I, just did. I can't see it. I don't know what's All going right. on. Uh, 14... Temperance? 14 Temperance? Is that what, is that what it says? Temperance? Is that what it says? 14 Temperance? It says Temperance. Uh, it looks yeah. like it. What is 14 temperance? Read that to me. There might be a little thing in the front. Upright, balance, moderation, patience, purpose. Temperance card is a reminder to be balanced, patient, and practice moderation. Stabilize your energy and let the life force flow through you without resistance. Do you want the whole thing? It. There's like two more paragraphs. <laughs> is there anything good? Just just skim through it. Is there, um, is there any clear vision, urges remain calm. Blah, Keep yourself blah. composed. I feel like this could be for anybody. Damn it. I picked a shit card. Yeah. Picked a shit card. All right, Ash, you go. Okay. Pick a pick a good card. You just, I don't just do the top. I got to. You can do whatever do, you want. Okay. Oh, that's the one? This that's the it. one. What is it? What do you got? The Eight of Cups. This looks handwritten. It, it, it is. Is it's, it handwritten? Yeah. It's the North, the, the North Tarot. Okay. The Eight of Cups. Mm-hmm. Suits of Cups. 37. We're going to 37. You did not know that this was going to come to a tarot reading. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my bingo card. So. Eight of Cups. Mm. Uh, eight of Cups represents you turning your back on a situation. <laughs> a job or a relationship, Jess. It's not about you. This isn't about you. I don't think she's concerned about that. The situation you're currently in is causing you more harm than good. Mm. Uh-oh. How's ABC doing? Pretty good. So this does not There's apply. There's like three main things in my life 
there's my family, my, yep. my marriage and my home life, yep. my work, and yep. then the podcast with you. So this is really it. This, this is it. So you're this just probably the last the podcast. Episode. Yeah. It has to be. I it, don't know what else. It, it is time be. to put the past behind you and move on, <laughs> even if it makes you sad. <laughs> it literally says that. Well, fuck you. <laughs> Eight of Cups recognizes that you might be feeling disappointed. <laughs> I mean, 51 mm. episodes was a good run. So it's, I mean, It was a good run, you know? Uh, you are not serving your higher good, and you're not aligning with your true self. <laughs> mm. Damn. Hmm. What? What could that possibly... Can you- we get back to the first card? Where yeah. the, the <laughs> All right, Eric. Heart, bullshit, clear some- eyes. All right, Eric, you're up. Come on. Th- 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 this is your whole life in one card. Queen of Cups. A Queen of Cups? Ooh. Oh, hold on. King of Cups, Queen. Queen of Cups. The Queen of Cups is nurturing. Oh. Caring, compassionate. She knows that you can support people by listening and understanding them. Oh, that is true. You create safe space for the collective to be open and honest. That's real, my friend. You think this is fake? No, no, no. This is real. Ashlyn's might have been fake, but. (laughs) (laughs) The collective can confide in you because you're relatable with your compassionate heart. Would you consider yourself compassionate? Uh... To a degree, it depends on who you ask. If you ask Erin, who is my significant other, uh, she may disagree with you, but <laughs> many other people are very convinced that I'm a compassionate person. You hold space and allow them to be, or you hold space and allow them to do so free of judgment and ridicule. I feel like that's fairly accurate. I've known you for a minute, <laughs> for about a decade. Dude, we almost worked together. Yeah. Uh, he offered me a job a while back, and I turned it down. Potato Laboratory. How could you turn that down? I would have worked with potatoes. Free potatoes the rest of your life. That's a pretty good deal. Although I, I don't work. Are you still there? I am not. No. What do you do? Where are you? I, I work for uh, State of Michigan, newborn screening. Oh, my gosh. I, I, wow. I turned that job down Did for the State of Michigan. Oh. Yeah, it, I, it was for the Department of Agriculture, and it oh. was... The single worst job I've ever had in my really? life. Really? Yes. And I, to this day, wonder where I would be in my life had I accepted that position. Because that was a fork in the road. It was a hard fork yeah. in the road. Um, you probably would have my old job now. Oh, And God. you could travel the world setting up a um, oh, well, potato laboratory. I would say, it, like, there were other potato laboratories being set up, weren't there? Uh, yeah, there were, like, 15. Uh, we had, like, four in Canada, one in Chile, which was a fantastic trip. Um, and there was always kind of a pre-pandemic push, though, you know, talks of uh, Japan, um, Russia, China, uh, the Middle East. I don't know how, how much of that would have actually I don't occurred. remember. I don't remember exactly. I, I re- like you guys were you testing the, the pH of the potatoes and stuff. Uh, like, so uh, little known fact, Michigan is one of the leading produ- uh, it's the leading producer of potatoes intended for potato chips. Oh, so so Idaho goes to what French fries? Yeah, French fries, table stock, stuff like that. And like in in terms of sheer sure volume, like they blow vodka. Michigan out of the. I'm not uh, surprised by that that we vodka. make that we grow a lot of potato chip. chips because we have like different chip companies yeah, that are based like, out of here. Yeah, so really, better made, yeah. better made, yeah, fantastic. I love better made. That's some damn good. It used to be a lot more. Sure. A so lot of processes. In your in your office, do you have like posters of Sam Samwise Gamgee? talking about potatoes and like all the different ways to have potatoes and I would there are certainly like a lot there were a lot of Mr. Potato Heads and yeah oh god all the puns that existed yeah Yeah. it was a good time I I remember that yeah I I turned down the job 
took accepted the position at the state of because I was waiting. I don't know if you remember. You were like, "Do you want the job?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I was waiting to hear back from the state of Michigan, and then like two days passed by. You're like, "You have to let me know yeah. because I need to fill this position." And I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> one more day." And then the state of Michigan finally got back to me. They're like, "We want you to have the job." Then I let you know. Um, it was fucking terrible. Because I, I think I ended up making like $14 an hour Damn. or something like that with two degrees, um, testing for pesticides in produce. And I ended up, uh, like, I made it about five months. Yeah. Everyone at this, everyone at, it was at the Geekly Laboratory on state campus. Everyone hated the job that worked around me. And everyone was just waiting for the next person to die so everyone could just go up one rung on the ladder. And I was like, this sucks so bad. I quit the job and moved to Colorado. So that like that decision like navigated my life for me ending up in Colorado, which is really, it's really strange. I wonder, I, I literally often wonder where I would have been had I taken that position. Like how long, how long would I have lasted there? Would I, yeah. would I have your position right now? Oh yeah, I, you probably could still get it. I'm not entirely sure that they've replaced me yet. Um, really? How, yeah. long, how long have you been gone? A uh, year and a half. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow. I, I think people have been in and out. I'm not entirely sure what exactly. You, you don't miss the potato world? Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't necessarily mind going back, but I enjoy my job more that I have now and there's more of a career path. I really kind of topped out where I was because like after you organize all the laboratories like where do you go from there other than expansion um and to get into a little bit of detail of what we did because we dealt mostly with uh chipping potatoes um you slice them up thin and you fry them at high temperatures you want to make sure that the glucose levels are low because if the glucose levels are higher then you get the discoloration you get that uh maillard reaction to where you get the browning like in toast um so that was our job is while these potatoes are in long-term storage because they'll be harvested in the fall they could, you know, you can keep them in storage pretty much year round, um, making sure that uh, you had to keep them at cool temperatures to uh, protect them from pathogens. Um, but those cool temperatures tend to cause a chemical reaction to where the potato will break down the starches into simple sugars as like a form of uh, antifreeze. Hmm. Um, so it was our job to basically make sure that the, the temperature and ventilation kept at an appropriate level so you didn't get that reaction to occur to where the starches break down to simple sugars and then when you go to fry it it doesn't turn brown of course this job wouldn't even exist if people didn't care that their potato chips looked white um but huh. other than that so it's 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 just all appearance uh for the most part so there was uh, a big industry hullabaloo um and i think there still is with like when you uh, have those maillard reactions um like toast and then coffee um uh, it uh, it produces asparagin, I want to say it is, which has in large quantities has caused caused cancer in uh, like laboratory rodents. Oh, really? They haven't caused or you know uh, made a link towards humans, um, but that was the concern the industry was trying to get ahead so of if that. You, if you burn your toast, theoretically, like there, there's that concern, or if you drink a lot I of coffee, God, every, acrylamide. Everything acrylamide. gives you everything gives you cancer. But, I swear to God. I mean, they found this in an experiment in mice when they gave them an absolute ton of it. So like there probably isn't any real legitimate concern, but there was that aspect too. So there was the quality aspect and then potentially maybe slight chance that there could be health issues involved too. Dude, I, 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 re I saw a Ted talk a while back and it was this guy who was comparing all the different 
um, studies done on coffee. And it was, he, he lined them. It was, it was like, a, it was Damn. funny. And it was like coffee causes cancer. Coffee cures cancer. Mm-hmm. Coffee makes you lose weight. Coffee makes you gain weight. And it was like all lined up in a row. And I was like, this makes data look so yeah. bad. It you makes, can do the same thing with eggs. You can. And it's, it, 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 it's all in how you present the information. Um, because I mean, data is just, you know, it's just raw. It's yeah. just data. It's so like, if you can present it, in a, in a way, and it it makes me sick because a lot of people don't understand, uh, you know, like it, if somebody's like, you know, a study is say this, and you're like, well, let's go read that actual I mean, study and see what it actually says because if the information is being presented a little differently, so that's really interesting. So burn your toast, get cancer. Yeah. That's what I got from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main takeaway from tonight is darker potato chips will kill you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. And, and also coffee. <laughs> yeah. You're dead. No coffee. Yeah. And like to get to your point about those studies, you also have to look at like where's the the funding coming from as well. Because oh if gosh. company X, you know, pays for this study and if it doesn't find the results that they want it to find, I mean, they're not going to want it to be published. So you know, there's there's that filter involved too, to where you're only getting the messages out that whoever funded the the study wanted to get out if it it, if it's contrary to that uh aim then most likely it's not going to see the light of day i wonder if there if there are any companies that exist that there probably are that just organize data in a nonpartisan way like their companies their only purpose and i don't know how they would make money other than like if media organizations you know needed needed their data but like companies that just organize and bring data together and format it in a way that is presentable and informative well, and like helpful about anything, you know, yeah, like well, that, if, if you look at the people who do that really well, the people who can organize data really, really well and show it to you and present it to you in a nonpartisan way. That is like our only hope. Well, like if really, if you, if you look at, if you look at studies being done, um, the, the, the scientific field is a really good checks and balances within itself. Um, that uh, w- the way things work is if, if I, let's say, publish a, an article in the Journal of Medicine, um, anyone has access to that and can uh, duplicate the experiment done and to see if my findings are consistent. And if they aren't, and if it's, if it's peer-reviewed and then it's, it comes back uh, inconsistently, then it's inconclusive. So th- and then that study will, in a sense, get, it'll be washed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, in a sense, the, the community itself kind of is the checks and balances. And, and, th- and that's where you get, like, I mean, a, a great example is, uh, you know, in, in particle physics, uh, in particle physics, you, you have the wave-particle duality that was only for photons and now they're realizing that you know like particles with mass like electrons and protons are now showing like wave like function this is probably really dense for the average listener it's fine um it's showing like it's showing a a wave-like function when not observed and then once observed to measure how which you know slit that particle is going through it changes its behavior upon observation so like that shouldn't happen and so they released the study for the whole scientific community to do their own studies. And every, everyone came back with the same results. So then they're like, 
okay, this is actually good data. It's come no matter how we do this, where we do this on the, on the earth or at what time or what it's, it's always coming back consistent. So therefore it's verified. It's, con, it's peer reviewed. It's um, conclusive information. So um, it like all of those words are important. Like the double line peer review, like that means other people did it and they didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And they got the same outcome. That's a really important uh, particle of, the scientific community is understanding. I, I guess my question for you, how do you find good studies? Or like if people are like, I do my own research apart from YouTube, how would you instruct our listeners if they were to do their own research? How do you do your own research? I mean, because like I, I'm, I'm familiar. I could probably navigate through finding, uh, especially like through the COVID time, that was really fun doing my own research because I, understand research. So I was doing it, but like, how, how would you navigate someone through doing their own research? Let's say a great example would be like through COVID information, which there was so much information and it was all seemingly contradicting itself. Yeah. I, I mean, part of the issue is it's so difficult to do because the good information, as you speak about it, they're peer reviewed journal articles. So, I mean, those aren't just sitting on your coffee table. Like you have to go out and seek those. Um, Where do you find them? I, I mean, the university libraries, uh, they're good online resources. Uh, some you have to pay for. One cool tidbit is if you, because uh, you can pretty much search for anything, see their uh, um, their abstract, and then they'll, they'll want to charge you to see to the entire it. article. But, but, but you remember you're dealing with academics here. Yeah. So you get the name. You email the person. And they'll just send it to you. Yeah. Because they're super proud of their work. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, they don't see anything from those no. uh, proceeds. So they, there's no reason for them not to share that's a, their journal articles. That's a whole bullshit industry. Like yep. the publishers that own the rights to academic papers and textbooks and everything in general. Like trying to gatekeep information in 2020. But somebody 2020, has to curate 20, it, though. Right. It just seems like that's such a – that whole industry is just horseshit. Like <laughs> – it's, it's so necessary. It's like music. It's <laughs> like so, it's such horseshit. It's like record companies, you know, that that try to gatekeep and keep like artists in a position or bring up this artist or not this artist and control people. Like it's the same thing to me. But they it had their seems... time and place, which it might be your point with the uh, these publications that put out, mm -hmm. you know, industry specific journal articles. Like yeah. maybe we don't necessarily need that in this electronic age mm -hmm. um like we did before same thing with music now that you know anyone can get on amazon music as far as i'm aware um and you know you don't necessarily need the gatekeepers like mm -hmm. you did before because it's not like anyone could uh build their own studio like anybody can do now mm -hmm. so how, so how does somebody know if 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 they come across i mean because it's hard like for the average person to distill down the information to what is actually you know, legitimized or not, um, how do you, uh, how do you tell what's, what's real? I mean, if, if they're reading a Buzzfeed and it says studies out of Harvard indicate this and that, and they have a link to the journal, yeah. how do you tell if it's, if it's good information or not? Uh, I mean, I, like, how would you tell? For me, I, I try to rely on the expert sources. You mentioned the pandemic. Um, and as, imperfect as they are, I mean, the go-to source for that is the CDC. These are the doctors that have studied years and years and years, and they're giving you the best recommendations with the information that they currently have. They're not the best at explaining it, but 
So they're just giving you the final result after talking about it with all the other doctors. They're just like, hey, this is our recommendation. So we don't, we're getting the final piece. They're giving their best guess at that point with what they know. Because there is a lot of, like at the very, very beginning, there is a lot of contradictory information on about whether mask wearing was necessary or not necessary. And it, it was all from the frame that you viewed it at. The first time Fauci said something about uh, uh, that. Don't don't wear the masks. Correct. It yeah, was it was early on. Yeah. So, I mean, there are several factors that built into that. One was it wasn't thought to be widespread at that point. So, you know, he had some outbreaks in, think, on the West Coast. So why does someone in Michigan have to wear a, a face I think mask? people were buying up the N95s. There was that, although was they've denied. Shortage. Yep, they've denied that that was part of the motivation, but I do believe yeah, that, that was, it was. That was real. Because you have to protect the nurses as well. but Because that's what they wear. But yep. the company line was that that wasn't why they told people. Uh, but I, I would agree. I, I think that was honestly a motivation. And then another motivation was that even if you told everybody to wear a mask, they wouldn't wear them properly. And that was mostly correct. So, you know. You and also, if it wasn't like an N95, that it really wouldn't stop anything. We didn't know that at first. Again, right. with the with the uh, the shortage of the N95s, like you don't want to tell people when, when you, you did start giving out the uh, recommendation to wear masks. You didn't want to tell everybody, go get your N95s because you want to save them for the uh, healthcare workers. Right. Um, but... Uh, Wearing a cloth mask, as ineffective as it is, or not particularly effective, is better than nothing. It's a line of defense. Um, and when you're talking about something that's spreading with exponential growth, like if you can, you know, instead of one person infecting five people, if it can be one person infecting four and a half other people, that does a dramatic uh, impact on the growth. It's better curve. than nothing. but Correct. But also, like, isn't this Omicron that's still... Oh, by the way, my sister has COVID I right heard, now. yeah. Yeah. And, they like, it, they're fine. Yeah. You know, I, it, it, it is... Like, there's a lot of people with COVID right now. Yeah. My coworker just a couple weeks ago. There's only, like, seven or Yeah, like, I, there's a guy at the gym yeah. who just tested positive. Um, my sister. And I'm just like... I was like, wow, it's, it, it's still going around. And it's just the Omicron variant. Yeah. And I, it, it is... It's... It's R naught value is like so high, like yeah. seven to ten, yeah. which is insane. So that that's the transmissibility of of the of the virus from person to person. Um, it's it's like it's virtually like that at that point it's unstoppable. Yeah, like everyone's gonna get if it's that contagious. Yeah. Everyone's going to get it. But you're dealing with a completely different animal now than you were back completely in February of 2020. Completely like you look different. at the fatality rates, they're way different. Now people are vaccinated, so at least you have some forms of gained defense. immunity um, from it. Uh, so it, it's a completely different ballgame now. What do, you, what do you guys think the moment was when COVID got super polarizing? Like, because I can remember in the very beginning, like the first months of the pandemic, people like whether whatever camp you were in, were pretty much on the same page. Like we got to be careful, we got to wear masks, yeah. we got to protect old people. I felt like super early, early days. Maybe it, maybe it was just proximity. Like we lived in Portage in the very beginning, and it was pretty liberal town, and every you know maybe that was it. But I didn't even on Facebook and on social media, I didn't see a whole lot of contention around like. 
what mask wearing nobody was talking about masks yet because it was too early so what but like so march and there was no vaccines march 2020 happened and it's kind of like 9 11 like everyone kind of remembers the state of life that they were at you know when things kind of went down so like when what when was it that it turned into like a hugely polarizing issue where you sat in the masking you know protect people close it down camp or you sat in the leave me alone my body my choice you know the like because both of those sides exist you know on on one side or the other of the political camps when did that when did covid turn into that because that's interesting to me like at some point it happened and i don't know where it was because it wasn't like that in the very beginning at least i didn't think it was i i think mass took it to another level because then it was my personal choices affecting others, and then you get that whole dynamic. So that that ratcheted it up. But from what I saw immediately, because um, when it was first spreading, um, and really it's, it's difficult to calculate the spread because I, there was mass spread before we even realized it. So when you look at those graphs where the case numbers are going up, you know, uh, exponentially fast, some of that is the spread. Some of that is just our capability of testing for it increasing mm-hmm. substantially. Um, so those curves can be a little misleading, but right at the very beginning when you had like 12 cases, 13 cases, and you had Democrats saying like, well, and medical experts saying, you know, we need to be really cautious, uh, right away it was a Democratic hoax. Like mm. the fact that it was even spreading was a Democratic hoax. Hmm. So I, from what I saw right away, it was, you know, people uh, at certain camps, smaller camps, and it got larger, but... Uh, it's just a flu. They're counting flu deaths as COVID. They're yeah. counting heart attacks as COVID. They're counting car crashes as COVID. Um, so I remember the numbers that. aren't real, yeah. is what a lot of people were saying. Hmm. I mean, because people I, I was, lost their like. It seems like COVID, like COVID was happening, and there was this. You know, we're speaking about all this in in this retrospect now, but like there, like when the election. To me, it was almost like when election news not like the election day but before that you know when things are heating up before the 2020 election it seemed like that to me was when people just lost their fucking minds like conspiracy stuff you know like everything covid was this huge uh you know this huge conspiracy linked with QAnon and linked with you know people who want to eat children and and all it just seemed like all that got lopped together and like there was this this just weird this weirdness i think that somewhat speaks to the social isolation as well like Mm -hmm. i mean people had these feelings um but then it just it ratcheted up the i mean we're social creatures whether or not you know some of us characterize ourselves as introverts extroverts but everybody needs somebody and that was being taken away from people. Yeah. And I it literally made people crazy. I could see how if I if I were listening to sources that told me those things, like if I had, you know, if I had input from those kinds of sources that said that kind of stuff and I were just home all day, you know, getting high or something. Like I could see going in that direction, you know, that I can understand that. I can empathize with that. It's unfortunate, but I can see it. I remember clearly, really, really, really clearly. So I was kind of on again, off again dating uh, this girl, and we had great chemistry, but there was some toxicity in it. And ooh, let's talk about that. <clears throat> let's talk about the toxicity. 
Uh, with great chemistry typically comes toxicity. Uh, Sounds like a Spider-Man thing. Great responsibility with great power. No, but specifically, what was the toxicity? (laughs) Um, Besides the point, uh, we hit basically March 13th, and they were like, hey, we're, we're shutting down the country. We're isolating everyone to your house and um, quarantining everybody. And I remember thinking, I was living in Grand Rapids at the time, and uh, and she was like, hey, what do you want to do? Um, do you want to quarantine together or do you want to not? And like that was what the conversations were at the time. Um, I, I don't remember early on th- there being anything political about this at all. Like really early on, everyone was just like, we don't know what the fuck this is. It's killing people. Everyone needs to stay home, which is funny for me because I was thinking there's no stopping this either way. Um, but the whole flatten the curve, which, which is the whole idea is just like, if you can slow it, everyone's going to get it. But if you can just slow that transmissibility rate to the point to where the hospitals can manage the people that that's all we really wanted to do. Everyone's going to get it. You're going to get it. But if we can time it correctly, everyone, the most amount of people will live through it. And I'm like, I get that. So we decided to quarantine together and it it lasted like a month, Uh, you know, like it was not good at all, but it was towards the end of the month. um, She is definitely leans more conservative. I lean more liberal. I don't like being in the liberal camp. I don't consider myself a Democrat, but I'm definitely not a conservative. I probably push back harder on the conservative side. So I look more liberal, uh, which is understandable. Um, but she does the opposite. And so she started saying certain things and I was like, ah, I don't, I don't know about that. And that's where the whole, because like I, we really were just starting the whole mask thing at the end of like when she started to move out and she's like, masks don't even do anything. And I was like, you're right. That's why doctors don't wear them every fucking day for the last hundred years. And, and but but it was it was more than that. It, it was like this. Uh, it wasn't like people didn't believe the information. What it was was they just have a deep distrust in those that are in authority, mm-hmm. and that that kind of cascades from the political side over to the scientific side. And that becomes really muddy, specifically because of news sources that muddy the waters. Because if they can pull some scientific data into it and then make it muddy, now all of a sudden, oh, you trust the sciences? This is what the sciences say, and it's muddy. And you're like, oh, good God. Like, it, it's so hard to clarify those two things. But it's not necessarily that they don't believe the science. It's that they just, it's a deep distrust for those that are in power. And that's really what I've seen. I think there is also an element of like the mask wearing specifically. Um, the fact that it doesn't do a tremendous amount to protect you. It does a, a good amount of protecting others from you. The right mask. Correct. 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 So I, I think that kind of triggered something too. Like why, why do I have to wear a mask to protect somebody else? Yeah. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it kind of brought that whole dynamic too it was a bit of it was a very interesting social experiment going well on, like you know in real time there came a point where it, i felt like the decisions being made kind of strayed from 
the logistics of what was happening. Uh, a good example was um, when I was at, uh, or I was, good, I was trying to go to a Michigan State University uh, hockey game, and they required um, a vaccine passport and also a mask. And, and I was like, well, I'm fine with um, wearing the mask. I, and I, I was vaccinated and boosted, but I just didn't have it on me. I, I just didn't carry it because, like, I didn't think anyone would ask. Honestly, I didn't. I mean, like, you hear you hear people telling the stories, but I hadn't had it. I mean, I'd go to the grocery store, really. I hadn't really gone anywhere that needed it. And they're like, no, you need to have a vaccine passport proving you have a vaccine to get in here. And I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, a vaccine protects me, and it's already been proven that the 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 transmission rate really is not affected. If you have, if you are vac- vaccinated and you contract it, you can still spread it. Now, I think the, the viral load count is lowered typically, but that's still like, they're still figuring that out. Even now, all of those numbers. Um, so your viral load count is lower, but you still can transmit it. So if you want me to wear a mask, fully understandable. But why are you requiring me in a public place to be vaccinated if vaccinations protect myself? And that's all it is. Like a vaccine protects me and it protects me from ending in the hospital. Why would you care if I'm wearing a mask? And that's kind of where I felt like there came a point where the logic went kind of out the window and people were just um, really freaked out. So they were just it was it was kind of rational. There is some social engineering with that as well. There's a lot of discussion of, um, all right, if you require vaccine, uh, vac- proof of vaccination to ride airplanes, then because the adoption at first wasn't tremendous, but if you required people to be vaccinated to fly in airplanes, well, that's a whole population of people that you're going to pretty much force to yeah. get vaccinated. Yeah. And same thing like, all right, well, do you want to enjoy a hockey game? Yeah. Well, you better get vaccinated. Yeah. So, I mean, there was not necessarily a public health position reason why to do that as much as trying to incentivize people to get yeah, vaccinated. See, like, I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Like I, and, and, I mean, I am all for vaccines. I'm all for science and medical science, but I do not like that. I don't like forcing people to make a decision. Um, when it, when it comes to their choice, I mean, if you want to go and do meth, you should be able to, mm-hmm. And if you want to not get a vaccine, you shouldn't have to. Now, when it comes to like polio, you know, or uh, uh, the MMR, like let's take care of those because those are um, those have been around for a long time and have been proven uh, the test of time. And also, we don't want to see polio back around. You know, that's ridiculous. Um, this is acting more like a flu, and where variants come and go a lot like the flu, like polio variants aren't, it's not the same type of virus. So I have a very different feeling. And the fact that what you were just saying, the social engineering, that the fact that they were like vaccine passport to fly forces people to get that. I I don't like that. I don't like the forcing, you know, I encourage, let's all get it. Let's all be safe. But if you don't want to, okay. See, I, I don't know. I'm in a mixed boat. And I think that's a popular I think opinion. I've always been a mixed boat. I, I think that's why it was done half-assed. Like, you didn't see a strong uh, push by companies, organizations, uh, events, whatever, pushing the vaccine passports for that very reason. 
but there were some. It, it was just all half-assed because were, you couldn't you, get fully you, adopted. Weren't you in a, in a, in a or, were, or you weren't at ABC yet, were you? Yeah, I was. Oh. There was there was um, at one point there was news of a possible vaccine mandate in the company. I I think. This is a while ago, but I think that's how and it worked out. Wasn't there a guy that? Yeah, there, there was, was like one, one guy, guy. <laughs> one guy in our office. So, so I'm in an industry. I work in the building materials industry, and um, it's pretty, it's pretty red. <laughs> you know, everyone. So, like, I work with contractors all day, and and truck drivers and stuff, and um, so uh, everyone in our office. We only had five or six people, and at the time, um, surprisingly. I mean, everyone adopted really quick. Like everyone wore masks all the time. You know, we had tables out in front of us and glass shields and like just did, you know, I think everyone kind of aligned with like, let's just be safe and let's do the company wanted these things done and we did it. Um, But then when the vaccines rolled out, everyone in the shop got vaccinated right away as soon as they could. Um, Really? As right as it was? As right as it was. Everyone... Um, just because we're dealing with like a few of these guys are older, they're in their, you know, late fifties and stuff. And they're, and like, it's, they're thinking not so much. What do I see on Facebook all day? But like, what can I do to protect myself, protect other people? Like, that's actually how they were thinking. So everyone, everyone really quick, um, you know, and we talked about it every day. It's a small office. We're all, you know, we talk about everything, but one guy, I think what we saw, I think I will get, I want to hear that, Mm -hmm. but I, I think what we saw the conservatives, the the red side not getting, I think it's just the very few that were very loud. I think the majority of the people on either side probably, you know, got vaccinated. We just hear about the very loud ones that did mm-hmm. not get vaccinated because they like to talk about it. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah, this one guy just said, nope, not doing it. And then no one made a big deal out of it. It was what, it, you know, we all just kind of whatever happens happens here and we're, you know we don't care what you do no one was mad about it or anything like that um but then one day uh like a memo kind of came through and it was um he so the drivers don't see that stuff unless like the the office staff sees it and then we just kind of didn't tell it you know we well we'll, we'll see the memo what it say it was just like you know prepare essentially prepare for a mandate from the company at a certain point that, you know, in the future, we're probably going to have to verify everyone's vaccination status. Well, I think something that, that like came that. down from like, a, it was not a governmental level where they were like companies bigger than an X yeah, amount. That, that's what it was. It was a, it was, um, I think it was a Biden executive order that was essentially um, mandating that any company over a certain number of employees, which ours is, um, has to require vaccines for people and that i think got shot down if i'm not mistaken that's how it all kind of fizzled out but when we saw that happen and the company sent out a memo you know basically we don't know what this looks like yet we don't you know there's no hard date on this yet we don't have any further information but be prepared that we were all just kind of wondering like what's 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 gonna happen to that guy (laughs) (laughs) how's this gonna go but yeah he was the only one you know it's kind of surprisingly now and like there's five or six of us in the office, you know, or at the shop, but the people we deal with all day are all the contractors essentially of Calhoun County, like, you know, lots and lots of builders and contractors and roofers and, you know, crews and those people, there's no fucking way that those guys are all, you know, they're the, you know, they're the people that 
would yell at us about wearing a mask or you know that that's the type that we're dealing with and so yeah there's no there's just no way to control that who who does and doesn't there's there's no way that's really interesting i had a similar experience working in agriculture as well you Mm -hmm. would think it it is very conservative um but at least within the office there was quite a a pretty strong up uh uh, adoption of Mm -hmm. getting vaccine vaccinations voluntarily um even like we were helping each other find uh pharmacies that Mm -hmm. had vaccines available like hey put in uh you know your appointment here they say they have uh, of course, you go out to like the uh, the rural Rite Aids, and they had plenty. Yeah, not, nothing sure. in the cities, but yep. I think that's where Andy went. He had to drive like way up to like Belair, Michigan, uh, but he had it's because he had a child and. And he was really concerned, so like him and his wife drove all the way up there. I wasn't as concerned. I was living alone, um, so I was just waiting for it to be more in supply in the local area. I was in a position we we had a newborn at home at the time, yeah. and so it was pretty like you know as soon as I can, as soon as I'm able, and made the appointment and went and did yeah. it. And um, because at that time we didn't really know like does getting back. Vac- there were a lot of questions. Still, you know, did getting vaccinated help protect people around, you know, make it not transmissible, make it. And then, you know, at this point, it just kind of seems like it's kind of seems like throughout the whole process, people have just towed whatever the, the party line is that they belong to, you know, like in the beginning, liberals aligned with like, we got to be really, really safe. We got to be really lock it down, drive it home. Conservatives aligned with, nope, we got to open it up, be free, do what you want. And it, you know, even in this late stage and what you dealt with with vaccine passport, it just seemed like, you know, we don't really know that the, the information isn't really telling us this at this level. We're just doing this because it's what it's what we're what we said we were going to do, what we committed to from the beginning. You know, that that just kind of feels like what this is. Well, I remember early on um, what the what my viewpoint was is especially when the vaccine came out um, and was available, we didn't know, like it's too early on uh, in the trials of, I mean, of the vaccine to know any short or even midterm effects and not even talking about long-term, which we haven't even approached yet. Um, uh, but the, the thought was uh, it's better to have the vaccine and, worry about those side effects than to worry about the possible implications of COVID. So it was just like it, the, of the two, this is safer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what it is. And, and really what I'll, uh, those that didn't want to get the vaccine, they didn't see it that way. What they saw it was um, the possibilities of the side effects is, is a higher risk than the possibility of getting COVID because mm-hmm. it wasn't, see, for me, I was just like, it was, it's risk of COVID risk of vaccine, but there's a third option in there and that's don't get COVID. But now we, now we know it's like, that was, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to get COVID for sure. Everyone got it, whether they were a carrier, um, asymptomatic or not. Um, then came out all the weird things. I'd like, I, do we know was COVID effective? Yeah, it was. Um, did it show signs of myocarditis in adolescent males between eight and 11? Yes. Um, 
was should young kids get it between like six months and five years old? I don't know. The information is kind of a wash. It's kind of like 50-50. Like if they didn't get it or they did get it, I mean, the outcomes were roughly the same. So what is the CDC going to recommend if it's a wash? Get it. Why? Well, there's a lot of money in a lot of vaccines and a lot of kickbacks that go to a lot of places. And Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson made a shitload of money. Doesn't mean they weren't effective. Both of those things can be true at the same time. There was a vaccine, it was effective, and big pharma also made billions upon billions of dollars all at the same time, which I don't know how I feel about that. So there are a couple points that, uh, that are interesting that you brought up. One of them's uh, the psychology of the matter as well, um, because uh, in terms of getting the vaccine, not getting the vaccine, by getting the vaccine, you're doing something. Yeah. If you do something, and then the result of you doing that something leads to a, a poor outcome, it was my fault or my decision. Exactly. Oh. Versus if you elect, like COVID just happens to you. That's yeah. passive. You didn't make that decision. It oh, happens. I've, I haven't thought about that. So even though, I mean, uh, even though by you taking action is actually safer, it's very much the human reaction to do nothing, take the passive approach. And there's kind of a, a throw your hands up in the air uh, uh, aspect of, you know, well, mm -hmm. if it happens, it happens. Even though if it happens, it happens, it's significantly more dangerous than you actually doing something. Mm. So, I mean, that's that's human psychology right there. Um, that's a that's a great point that I've never thought about. Huh. I wonder if that 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 probably plays into so much more. Uh, continue. Uh, and just generally speaking about vaccines, like in this particular case, yes, Pfizer and Moderna, and really this is what Moderna has been built on is this specific vaccine. But historically speaking, um, from a pharmaceutical standpoint, vaccines aren't the great money producer no. that that uh, uh, people think because you, you get a shot when you're young. Kid. Yep. If you're effective, like if it's an effective vaccine, then you... Maybe you get a booster later on, maybe you don't. Yeah. But the fact is you're not taking regular medication versus something like a HIV treatment where you're paying $100,000 a year to stay alive or insulin. Like those are the money makers. So oh, yeah. uh, at first there was a lot of that pushback, like, oh, they only want you to take a vaccine because it's such a money maker. Perhaps in this case, but generally speaking, like from a pharmaceutical standpoint, they don't necessarily try to push vaccines from a bottom line perspective, so you, because it's really not a bottom line pusher. So you, you think that they just saw this opportunity and capitalized on it? Uh, I, at the time, you saw science just grind to a halt. Anybody that is like, uh, you know, research in totally unrelated diseases they, stopped because everybody was focusing on they the pandemic. They dumped money into research. Uh, th that is something a lot of people don't know is um, the, those pharmaceutical companies dumped money into medical research to fast track these these vaccines because they knew i think they knew they were like one yes we want to help people but also there's a lot because if we can get that ticket from the government to pay for all these that's a that's a big paycheck that's a big paycheck so uh, do you know anyone that worked on it uh i don't but I know like mRNA vaccines have been worked on for, you know, it, oh, we've just started to get, yeah, like a, a, well over a decade. So oh, yeah. it's 
not necessarily brand new technology, even though it's, no, it's newly being put into people's arms in the med- mass. Yeah, like in, in the medical community, it's newer. But I think, I think it's even been like around for a couple of decades. Yeah. It's, mRNA is not a new technology. Yeah, it's really interesting. All this whole the whole the whole idea is, it, it it's people like to to broadly paint it's one thing or it's another thing, and I think it's probably a mix of many things. Um, you know, I th- I think that. Uh, using any one topic to continually create two camps in our in our country is almost equally as important as being effective with whatever you're doing. Um, you know, like it, it, I just feel like every other week there's another thing, and all of a sudden the Democrats are up in arms and the Republicans are up in arms about the same the same thing that's going on, and I'm just like. I, how is everyone always mad about something? <laughs> we we were, were you did you do that uh, podcast with me the Written House? Yeah, we did the you, it was called the Written House Effect. I think. Yeah. People were just real upset. And didn't even quite understand the situation. Nah, I had no what idea they were, what they were upset about. Nah, I had no yeah. clue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Kyle Rittenhouse that yeah. whole thing? So I watched the whole trial. I watched it from start to finish. Um, very 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 few people watched it. Um, and uh, after watching, and I was just like, man, this ki- this poor kid, just in a really shitty situation, made some shitty decisions, and ended up uh, killing a couple of people. And it was like, just watching the whole thing, I'm just like, man, this is really bad. Then you see the memes, and I'm like, that meme is accurate, but like completely out of context, and it's making people feel a very certain way. And I'm like, oh, I, I kind of get it now. And this is like the, really the first time that I had a lot of the information. Um, and and I'm, I realized that people don't have the time to do the research or to watch the whole thing. So the tribe that they have ascribed to, they're just like, hey, tell me how to feel about this thing. So the, the part that I never understood, because even when it happened, I knew that like the stand your ground, like anything involving stand your ground, it's a wild card. It, yeah. you, you don't know... Like yeah. you can get away with very malicious stuff or, you know, you just never know where it's that's rough. going to break. So that didn't, that didn't surprise me. But what really got me is that how did the gun charge not get upheld? Because he took a, a, a firearm cross state lines and he was underage. Like I, I thought he was dead to rights on the gun charge. Everything else I wasn't entirely sure about. I don't and know. I how think... he wasn't process- or, uh, convicted of that, that's what blew me away. I'm like, well, at the Something end of the, doesn't compute. At the end of the day, these prosecutors, this jury, these are all people. Yeah. And they forget, you know, like, it, it, yes, they will go through charge by charge. But at the end of the day, like, if he is found not guilty, like, a lot of times people just, they feel for someone and that those emotions get caught up in that whole thing. I mean, it's impossible for people to not feel through, especially through a very heavy trial like the one we saw um it's just all it's all interesting to me uh whenever i get whenever i start talking about issues that are very politically divisive i always end up somewhere in the middle and don't really agree with i I agree with all of it but i i mean i i try to pull if there's any scientific evidence i try to pull that to the surface as fast as i can or debunk ideas but I don't really agree with anyone solely on any one thing. And that's always been really frustrating to me. Um, I don't know. 
I feel I'm kind of the same way, which was interesting when you sent me the text about doing this podcast. You're like, controversial topics, welcome. I'm like, you're talking to the most moderate person that I'm aware of. <laughs> like, I don't get on Twitter, but if my I had a Twitter Twitter handle, it would be extreme moderate because I'm, I feel like you to where like, you know, this side's a bunch of idiots, that side's a bunch of idiots. And they both are saying something that's partly true. Kind of. It's kind of true. Yeah. There's it, some truth in there somewhere. Yeah. And the truth is always somewhere in between those two extremes. And that's where I tend to find myself, which is interesting in this day and age because it's better to be far left or far right because you're only pissing off half the people. Yeah. If you're in the middle, you're yeah. pissing off pretty much everybody. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much everybody. Ashlyn's always pissed at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you all right so at the beginning of this year I, I do have a twitter and i tweet like twice a year maybe if i'm lucky i made one tweet prediction do you, do you remember seeing it i don't know if you saw i it. don't have a twitter well i i snapshot it and posted it on instagram oh i think yeah because i have yeah, zero you, uh, i have zero followers we talked about this before <laughs> um i made a prediction on christmas day which is when the jwst took off uh, James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, I made a prediction that before the end of this year, uh, we will confirm there will be conf- uh, there will be uh, evidence showing that we are not alone in this universe through the James Webb Space Telescope, and we are approaching the end of the year, and it's not looking very good. Nope. <laughs> or they found it. And they're just keeping their damn lips it shut. It feels like they're getting us ready for something. It does, right? Okay, like, because little by little, it seems like there's more coming out. More, hey, we've got the this footage. We're gonna show you. We'll put uh, we'll put the pilot guy on Rogan, and you know, we'll do like little by little, like, little the, by little. The we're UFO gonna, stuff. What's was his name? Declassified. Cap- Captain something. He something, was on. Something. He's done a bunch of podcasts, but he's real famous for the pill the pill footage. Yeah. But like they, you know, it just seems like and feels like, you know, everywhere you turn now, people talk about simulation theory, right? Yeah. Like it just feels like there's we're getting ready, we're getting prepared. Which there's, is interesting. There's something coming. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about? Do Do you feel like the the higher ups know something? I I was actually pretty surprised that the UFO stuff didn't get more traction. Um, I'm not really a UFO believer myself. It, it kind of goes into that thought experiment about like time travel. Like, is time travel possible? Well, if it was possible, wouldn't you mean we already time see... travel to the past? Yeah. Possible, yeah. Yeah. Like, wouldn't we already see an example of that? Like, if 5,000 years ago we are capable of uh, somehow. Know, correct. Like, wouldn't that already change everything? So it's breaking kind of a... the laws of causality. Yeah. Correct. Yep. A bit of a thought experiment. Same thing with uh, extraterrestrials, at least advanced extraterrestrials. Like, wouldn't we already be pretty much obliterated if that were the case or at least have <laughs> well, knowledge I mean, well that's the fermi paradox is like if they're out there where are they yeah you know um i that that thought i don't know which thought is more scary to me the thought that there could be aliens out there or i think we have seen evidence <laughs> <laughs> time you've seen this before right daniel Radcliffe. I have no so harry potter through history like there's all these all these crazy pictures. It's the same person, <laughs> like through hundreds of years. That is Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, the, there's there's more. Uh, um, there's there's a whole. I literally just favorited a video on TikTok that's that talks about. Um, 
I don't know if it's human time travelers or humans that have lived multiple times, um, like select humans or alien humans, or I don't know what you want to call it, but there's a few like Eddie Murphy. It shows there's like four different Eddie Murphy's ones in like world war two. And I'm like, that's fucking Eddie Murphy, like (laughs) very distinct human. Um, I'm surprised we haven't seen an Elon one. I feel like he's out there somewhere. Definitely. How do you, how do you feel about that? Humans that live multiple times. Uh, have you have you heard about this? I haven't heard extensively about that. I think or I've like seen cloning. Yeah, like I, I I've heard of uh, uh, like the, I think there's like a, a a painting or whatever that shoun't exist that shows people like riding dinosaurs before we even knew dinosaurs yes, existed. That's real. And you know weird that's stuff real. like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, dinosaurs. We've only known dinosaurs have existed since like the 1860s, 1870s. Um, and there's a painting. Oh no, no, it's much sooner than that. It's like 1920, and there's a painting from like the 1860s. That's what it is. Like the first dinosaur fossil was found. Like you can look this up. Probably like 19, 1929. And there's a painting from like 1860 or 1850, and it shows people riding like a brontosaurus or something like that. And it's very, very clear. And, and there's even like a, a stegosaurus in there or something like that. And everyone's like, how in the world would they possibly know? We didn't even know dinosaurs existed before in the early 19, 1900s. That's kind of what I mean. Like, it feels like some shit's made up. Like, you know, just, not everything. but just, like Just wait. Some, just wait, Some bro. shit's made up and we're slowly getting prepped. Like, something's coming down the line. Just, just and, wait. There's more. Yeah. I, I I'm about to relieve to finish draft one. I am so close. I'm writing a book. Oh. Um, and I am so close to draft one. I, I'll, it'll be finished before the end of this year. So what's the, what, what's the weirdest, let me go back a minute. So you've kind of said like, it, it seems like you've aligned yourself as kind of a skeptic of like th- things like this or that's like, fair to say. Right. Right. Which is very fair. Yeah. Um, as am I, I approach things very agnostically. If you've listened um, to a lot of the podcasts, you would know, like, um, I came from an evangelical background. I was a, a pastor um, and now have a very, very different approach um, just mentally to different things. And it's usually quite agnostic, meaning, like, I can acknowledge this could be real or could be bullshit. I'm not totally sure. And I don't really know that I have the capacity to make a determination on that all the time. Or that's what I mean when yeah. I say agnostic. So wh- that being said, um, what is the weirdest experience you've had that is hard to explain in like, Ooh, that's a good question. Like, what is the thing that you would say? Like you approach all this as skeptic, but this gives you pause. What you know? Have you ever had any kind of experience like that? Uh, so when I was young, uh, my mom passed when I was young, and then my grandmother came to live with us to watch the kids while my dad went off to work. Um, and eventually, she passed as well. So at a young age, I was probably like eight. I would actually get off the bus and be all by myself in the house, whatever. So you know, for an eight-year-old, which sounds absolutely crazy now, I have small kids myself. Like I could never imagine leaving my kids alone mm. in a a house at the age of eight, but I was by myself. So I'm in the front room. My grandmother had uh, extreme diabetes, like where she was overweight. Um, she had the sores on the top of her feet. She was barely mobile. Um, she had a very low quality of life. She went in for uh, a stomach staple surgery before it was really a thing. Like this is early nineties before everybody was getting it done. 
Um, and she like essentially wrote a will, like if I don't make it and the way it was toned, it sounded like she didn't want to make it. But anyway, so I'm home after school. I have the front room all to myself. She normally uh, stayed in the dining room around the corner and I just start going crazy. I got the house to myself. I'm going to start jumping on the couch, uh, you know, yelling, throwing things, you know, I would probably pick up mostly before people come home, whatever, just having a good time. I was eight. I was unsupervised. Fantastic. So, but, and being incredibly annoying. And then all of a sudden I hear from the corner, the, the you know, this crackly, angry, my grandmother's voice, like, shut down, shut up. And then I just, I froze and stopped. Mm -hmm. Did she talk to you? Did, is that kind of how she would have talked to you? Yeah, she okay. wasn't a very happy person okay. because of the diabetes, sure. because of the, you know, the, the foot sore. She was in a lot of pain. It wasn't... So it was a, pretty common that she would say something like that or in that tone or... Yeah, that not necessarily to me. I was actually the good kid, normally speaking. But, like, it, it, it was it was on brand. You've heard Grandma say... say Correct. Sit down it was on brand. Okay. And, and it was in her voice, and it just mm -hmm. made me stop. Um, what did you think? I mean, at the time, like, it, it, I froze. It took me probably a good half hour to, like, peek around the corner and look. Um, yeah. But, I mean, as I've aged, um, I've become even more skeptical of that. Like, to me, at that time, completely real, 100% real, but that's also my perception at the time. Mm -hmm. right? And every, every time you remember it, it changes, too. Correct. And I've also relayed this story to my brother. And he swears the story happened to him. Like, so I've relayed the story oh, to my brother multiple times. Hmm. And the last time I mentioned it to him, so maybe I've said it once, three times or whatever. The very last time is the only time he's mentioned that it also happened to him. So I do know, like, those occurrences happen where, like, you have memory implantations. Yeah, or, that's real. That's a real thing. Yeah, or... Like, our mean, memories are shit. Yeah, like, and he, same he thing with our perception. Shit. Yeah, it's really shit. I, so I have... Uh, I'll actually, I don't know if I've ever told you, I've told you the story. Oh, I think I told you the other, a while back on the phone, um, not too long ago. So, um, there is a story of something that happened to me in 2008. I was in Alaska. Um, and I, I was, uh, I was in the coast guard and I was stationed there very, very temporarily waiting to go off to specialized school for AV, uh, avionics for, uh, aviation electrical technician, um, learning how to repair electric stuff on airplanes. So I had to live on this boat in Cordova, Alaska. It's in the Prince William Sound. It's this tiny little village. And it was a 225-foot boat. And uh, once every four days, you have to do watch if the boat is in port. And I watch for me fell on, it was like, uh, it was on a Sunday. And you hold two four-hour shifts 12 hours apart from each other along with two other people. So, like, if you do 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., you also do 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. And uh, you're, you're allowed to do whatever you want in the other time, but you just have to stay on the boat, make sure it's whatever. Um, so I was – it was 4, 4.30 p.m., 5 p.m. I was on the quarter deck, which is the highest part of the boat where they navigate the ship. And uh, basically, you're standing there – as people leave, you check them off the boat. As they come, you check them on the boat. But you're basically just watching the boat for whoever comes on and whoever comes off. And I'm sitting there, and beneath me, the pier kind of comes out from the shore, and it kind of goes off into a T, and then we're moored up against it. And it's big enough to where you could drive a vehicle out onto it. At the time, there was a truck parked on the pier next to the boat, kind of parallel to it. And then there's like 
you can see the water between the pier and the shore. It's right there. And I'm looking down and right beyond the pier, between the shore and the pier, there was, and I mean like, this is Alaskan Bay water, crystal clear. It's like crystal blue. And I'm looking down, there was, there was a fucking plesiosaurus. There was a, a dinosaur right there. And it was sitting, I, I told you this, right? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was sitting in the, and I mean, remember looking down, I could see the fins. I could see the whole body and the neck was out of the water. It was right next to this truck. And it was about as big as the truck. That it wasn't huge. It was about ten foot, you know, maybe ten foot big, twelve foot. It wasn't very big, um, and uh, I, and I'm staring at it. But this is 2008. This is before the time of like, or right at that cusp of like the iPhone cameras and all that. But I didn't have one, Damn. so I'm sitting and I'm and I'm and no one's no one's on the boat. I'm alone, and so I'm sitting there and I and I watch it come up and like it's right beneath me. And then it goes down and it swims down a little ways and it comes up again and I have binoculars and I'm looking at it and it goes down and it swims a little bit further up and then it's gone. That's it. And, I, and I'm standing there and I'm like, I just, I literally just saw a dinosaur, a thousand percent. I, I still remember the color of it. I remember everything about it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, I can't tell anyone. Who do I tell that would believe me that I saw a dinosaur? But like, that, in a sense, is much more realistic than like, oh, I saw a stegosaurus, something like that. But I mean, because I think the Loch Ness is, are, is argued to be the same type of, uh, you know, dinosaur, the plesiosaurus. Mm -hmm. um, but I 100% saw that. But, but now I think back and be like, how do I know what I saw is what I saw? Yeah. Like, how do I know what is real and what's not real? I mean, to me, that was a thousand percent real. Like a hundred percent. But how do I know that? Damn. Like what's the metric used? Because now I'm like you, I'm a skeptic. And I'm like, what's the metric that I can use to do a litmus test on whether that was real or not? Mm. So I feel really lucky because my most kind of wild supernatural experience, you, you were there and you directly can corroborate what happened. Like it was the, the message on my mom's answer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <gasps> Oh, yeah. Creepy. So Mark, Still Mark, creeps me out Mark, to this day. Ugh. Mark and I walked in. So at the time, um, I was a, a high school kid, and Mark was like a leader, like a you know young adult leader in our youth group. And we hung out a lot and played ping pong like late at night. Oh, God, so much. Listening to Jason uh, Upton. Jason, is it Jason? Jason Upton. I for you, Jesus. Well, we, uh, well, so we, <laughs> come so, on, Eric, join. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a lot of late night ping pong games, and uh, Mark brought me home one night. We we're it was at my mom's house, and we walked in. I don't know why you walked in the house. I mean, you came over sometimes, like we hung out, but it was late. It was, it was weird. It was like yeah, it was late. It was a strange thing that you were there. But I hit the thing was this was back when people had answering machines, you know, like 2003 or something. Yeah. So the thing's blinking. And so I just out of habit hit it. And it was this like demon voice. Like you don't know how else to describe it except for like it was someone used a voice changing machine and they spoke in tongues for like five minutes straight it, in this it voice. Was, it was the old school, like with a tape, yeah, right? it or was like, maybe it was digital, but it, it was, was a yeah, it, but it was like you came in and it was blinking, yeah, it hit beep, 
and then we hear this voice. It was like it was for. It was like, but like distinctly trying to speak in tongues. Yeah, it was like or, or a different language yeah. or something. But we so we were just sitting there with we're our jaws on the there. floor. Yeah, we're standing there looking at the machine, listening, and I'm not exaggerating. It went for a long. time. It was like three minutes. It was a long. Yeah, time. It was like three full minutes yeah. of this. And, and so then just, it ended, and we were done. both just like, "Well, that was fucked up." We didn't say that at the time because we, <laughs> because but, we were deeply religious. But I, yeah, we we're super <laughs> religious. Yeah, but but, I my memory of that may be fucked up. I don't know, but I know Mark was there, so I can know that, like, through the years, we've shared that story back and forth, and who knows, you know, but... But how has it changed over the years? Yeah. Isn't that fucking oh. crazy? Do you have the... Uh, no. <laughs> no, I wish I did. I we, know that We Mark's, burned that thing. Mark, <laughs> Mark's phone at the time, you recorded a part I of it. Did, you did had a, You had one of the earliest... I had a razor. Phones. I had a razor. Yeah, you had. Well, I think it was even before your razor. Oh, it was a motor. It, it was, was a Motorola yeah. something, a it, Pebble. It was a big deal to you because yeah. you took a picture of a sunset, and it, if you looked at that picture now, it's so <laughs> fucking dumb and pixelated. Yeah. But you were like, "Look at this picture." Yeah, you were Motorola so proud of that phone. It was black, but yeah, you could take chink. voice voice memos, voice recordings on your phone. And I remember you made a recording of it, and you were like, "I'm gonna do something with this or show this to you know." And I don't know whatever happened to that, but yeah. Dang. Yeah. Do you have any conspiracy theories? <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're too moderate for conspiracy theories, but I also feel like any that you would hold would be really rich. Uh, I think that the truth, typically speaking, is a lot more bland than what people like. Like you know, it's but not like the Denver airport, bro. What about the Denver airport? The what? one that looks like teepees? You don't you don't know yeah, you don't know about the Denver airport? I don't, I guess. Oh man. I've been there. There's so it's the place is so rich with conspiracy. Oh gosh. So Denver Airport, like Atlanta Airport, more or less in Atlanta. Yeah. Detroit, Detroit, Chicago. It's in the suburbs, but it's there. Denver Airport's like thirty miles outside of the oh, airport. Really? In the middle of nowhere was $2 billion over budget. And they built, they, they constructed these tunnels underneath. They said they, these tunnels were for like luggage, but these tunnels are like hundred, like over a hundred feet underground. And they, they spent billions of dollars on these tunnels and no one knows where they go. And they, they're not used for luggage and nobody understands why they're there. And so there's all these conspiracies. Then you go there and you see the, um, the mascot for the Denver airport is this blue horse, this Mustang with blood red eyes. And it's like, Oh, it's really fucking weird. Um, are you reading into it right yeah. now? And, and, and the, the, the guy, the, the artist that was like doing the sculpture that was building it right before he finished it, it fell on him and killed him. And, and like, and there's all these conspiracies around that. So there's a family finished it and they still put it up and there's, there's like if you walk through the airport next time you're there look at the ground because there's these little emblems on the ground they're like birds and stuff there's like children's hands and it's really fucking freaky bro like the whole denver airport and like everyone has their idea of what it is i have no idea mm -hmm. but it's weird and it doesn't make sense and it makes sense to someone somewhere. They did th those things for a reason. If you mm -hmm. like, th there's a lot of he's really into the thick of it now. So conspiracy theorists point to an array of evidence suggesting the airport is actually one of the headquarters of the secret rulers of the world. Boom! There you go. Mm -hmm. 
How do you? But not, why would how they? Do you not know if this? it was. I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty skeptical because if it were, if it were, why would they have evidence or draw know? attention to? Yeah, yourself. like, like you would think they would just well, be like, honestly, no, nothing to see here. Nothing honestly, weird about this place. No, no, honestly, one of the best ways to debunk an idea is to leak a little information <laughs> and let people run with it to create a conspiracy and then everyone will So the Illuminati is like let's like let's us. put some weird fucking murals on this place and do some tunnels and a then no one bit. will suspect Well, anything. I think the tunnels are being used. <laughs> I, th- I think they're being used. But like uh, that's one of the best ways you can go about debunking an idea is to let the radicals run with it. Oh, here's a good one. Paul McCartney is actually dead. Um, and the person that we think is Paul McCartney is not Paul McCartney. Well, that's Avril Lavigne, I think too. That, no, I really think that's true of Ringo Starr. I don't. I think Paul McCartney is Paul McCartney. Yeah. But if you look at Ringo today, and Ringo, different. like, did you, did you watch the? We talked about it on one show. Did you watch the Disney um, Get Back? The the there's like a six episode. It's insanely good. A documentary on the Beatles when they made Get no, Back. No, 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 no. You told me to. So if I, you watch it, like, and you look at Ringo, like you get a lot of Ringo in that, right? You get hours and hours of Ringo. And then you look at him now and it's a different dude. Interesting. It, like it does not look like Ringo. It doesn't sound like Ringo. Well, that's like, he's not Ringo. The, the guy that is presentably Elvis Presley. There's this guy George something hmm. that's this old singer in his late 60s or early 70s, and he like plays the piano. And he sings. That's Elvis Presley. It, you just look at him, same yeah. face. He has that same deep baritone, low voice. That's like vibra- I'm like, what? Why does this is Elvis? Is everyone being stupid right now? <laughs> like I'm not even a conspiracy theorist. That's just Elvis. That is him. <laughs> What's up, dude? Yeah. I don't know. Why would you fake your own death? I imagine that. Well, I don't know about Elvis, but if you think about like Michael Jackson and the hold up, hold up, yeah, hold up. Is that is that a conspiracy? He's not dead. Michael Jackson. Yeah, I've always kind of had a wondered if he was or wasn't. It'd be so difficult not to recognize. Like I guess I could see it if he was in complete isolation. He never sees the outside. That might be what that dude wants. That like. Michael Jackson, the life oh, that he lived since yeah, a like, little child, his, and how much that fucked him up. Yeah, he probably doesn't just want bought to be, an island. He just wants to be out on his island. I would ima- I mean, if I were Michael Jackson but, and I were in his position, with all of his youngest who knows, fans, who knows what he did or didn't do with the? I'm just saying, like, at a certain point, you know, it's just time to go. But he it's also just time to get kids. out of here. Yeah, I don't. He I has couldn't. Kids? See, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, dear. he held him over a banister. We don't remember that. Blanket, Paris. And the Simpsons predicted that. Yeah, they predict everything. They how, predict how, did, everything. how do they do that? Because they have 10,000 episodes. No, there's some that are way, way, way too accurate. Dude, they had an episode that showed the queen <laughs> dying in 2022. Come on, man. That it was specifically 2022. Yeah, it showed, it showed her RIP. The year she was born, it said 2022, and, and it was the queen. Come on. There's, <laughs> come on. Like, how do you predict Michael Jackson shaking a baby over a banister? How mm-hmm. do you predict that? Google's funny. Um, the Sim- looking up the, the best Simpsons. conspiracy theories. The Simpsons. There's something there. There, there is something like, it's not, they haven't predicted the future like twice or ten times. It's something like in the 50s or 60s. Like, so many times. And it's not just a little accurate. They predicted... The Church in, of Notre, Notre Dame burning down. I think they did like a World Series winner as well. Like whenever the Red Sox finally the year, won. The year. The year. 
How do you do that? <laughs> Here you go, Mark. Earth has been sucked into a black hole. Yeah, that's that's old news. The European Organization for Nuclear Research, CERN, yeah, is at the heart of a lot of conspiracy theories, including the belief that when CERN discovered the Higgs boson, we're actually in another parallel universe. In yeah, 2012, blah, blah, blah. it inadvertently created a black hole, and Earth was sucked into it. Yeah, and, what, and then this is all one of the many parallel universes. branches of yeah. crazy shit. That's called the 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 many worlds interpretation of the multiverse. I believe is what it's called. But which Spider-Man do we get to keep? No, no, that is a bad. Indi- that's not what the multiverse is. And, and uh, Toby Maguire. No, <laughs> no, no. It's like everyone's like, yeah, the Mayans predicted 2012 it would end, but didn't end how they thought it would. It was just the end of an era of what this world was. And then when CERN discovered the Higgs boson, and see, the problem is, is it's just people's fundamental misunderstanding of what CERN did and what they, what it did back in 2012. When they, they, they just they, they didn't create a black hole, they they successfully predicted the size of the Higgs boson, which is a fundamental particle uh, that kind of determines the mass of. It's, or is that what the people running this version of the simulation want us to think? No, that's what it did. Here's a good one: Disney created Frozen oh, as yeah. a distraction. This is a, this is. I think that this could actually be pretty true. <laughs> so. <laughs> Because for a long, long, long time, everyone said, like, yeah, Disney froze himself. Walt Disney, like, yeah. used oh, Cratchit. Yeah. That's what people believe. Wait. I don't know if it's true or not. Oh, is it, is it true? Did you hear that? I thought it but actually did freeze I think head. that. I think so. Right. His head. That's what people so. think. So imagine t- in today's age of the internet, you know, and, and when Frozen came out, I don't know, 2013 or something, 2012, 2013, the first movie Frozen came out. People know how to fucking Google some shit, right? Oh, yeah. So Disney makes Frozen, and they make the biggest, you know, animated movie in many, many, many years as a way to fuck up the algorithms. So that when people search oh, Disney Frozen, Disney Frozen, it just just wipes that whole story away. Oh, because right? now all the real algorithms are going like, to like try it. Try to search. I'm Disney, sh- Walt Disney, Cryogenics. Frozen. How do you right? You have to get really specific <laughs> to not get you search to results to related duck, duck, to Olaf go. and Anna and Elsa. Yeah, yeah. You have to be five pages deep before you hit that shit. That's a good one. That's that's a good conspiracy. Yeah, I have a few conspiracies that I believe uh, have some truth basics basis to them, um, but none, none are like really interesting. Um, King Charles is a vampire. Yeah. Looks like a vampire. Uh, <laughs> okay, like some of the weird ones. Like um, there was a book written in 1899 called um, The Sinking of the Titan. And it was written about how in 1912, mm-hmm. in the spring of 1912, a... Oh, an, oceanic liner is going to cross the northern Atlantic and hit an iceberg and everyone's going to die because of not enough lifeboats. That's literally the basis of the book. That one's on this list. Yeah, and then it happens. How? how? I mean, like, I get the idea that there's some, you know, like, with all of the with all of the possible things that could possibly happen, some things are going to be coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. That one's a little much. All right, that one's a little much. And then the in the 1940s, there was a book, there was a sci-fi book written about a a the pro, the protagonist 
was a guy named Elon who settled life on Mars. Hmm. Like, what are the chances of that? Like, it's, it's a very unique, weird name. And the entire premise of the book is he is this scientist that pushes to get life onto Mars. And now here we have Elon pushing to get life on Mars. And he's arguably the only Elon I've ever heard of. Mm. It's a very unique name. I don't know. I don't know, man. We're in a simulation. These are, these are just fucking glitches. Mandelian effects. Those are pretty crazy. Oh, shit. He was the one that taught me about the Mandela. And I said, so I actually talk about that in my book quite a bit and cause I wanted to know, and there, oh, um, there was like, there was like four or five of the Mandela effect that, that I thought like the fruit of the loom logo, how it's like, you know, a basket of fruit, mm. there's no basket. Mm-hmm. It's just fruit. Like the Berenstein bears. Are yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the one that always still bears. gets me is the Shaq move. The Shazam. Shazam the, the is movie, one. Or the genie that was Shaq or Sinbad. I, you know, that, that throws me off. Darth Vader never said, Luke, I am your father. Yeah. But if you're a real star, if you're into Star Wars, you know that. Tommy I'm, boy is probably to blame for that. Yeah. Chris Farley and Tommy. Yeah. But still mm-hmm. I can, I can hear it. That's true. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can hear it, though. But it's because you heard Chris Fucking Farley. Fucking Chris Farley. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then it was stuck there forever. That makes me kind of mad. <laughs> all right, I got one question for you, and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. I got one question for you. Uh, I always ask all of my guests this uh, as kind of like the parting question. Um, if that was like a magical mic, and we clicked it on, and the whole world could hear you, and you have 30 seconds, and you could say anything you want, and every human on the planet could hear you, what would you say? Unprompted, like right off the top of your head. Right now, you could take a minute. That's insanity. You, <laughs> you could take a minute. It's okay. While you uh, think about it, tell me, Mark, tell me about the wolf in your living room. The wolf. The wolf. Yeah. Did you see it when you walked in? I, yeah, that's pretty badass. That's really yeah, cool. I, I have a matching tattoo of oh, the nice. wolf. Yeah, on my wow. chest. So what is it? What is that all about? It's uh, the evolving spirit animal of mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a deer, and now it's a wolf. I've maintained that my spirit animal is joel anthony Ryder. that he is my spirit <laughs> joel animal. we miss you dude <laughs> all right what would you say you've if, had a minute to think if there is one message that i could tell the world i would tell people that i uh, adopt the, the 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 idea that maybe i'm wrong about Ooh. everything <laughs> about everything like you would you would get rid of all wars if people just stopped for a second and said Maybe I'm incorrect on this. Maybe I should think about it a little bit. Maybe that other side has a valid point. Maybe I shouldn't go to war with this country because maybe, you know, they have sovereign borders that I shouldn't cross. Or, you know, politically, landscape, like, instead of saying, I'm right, they're wrong, stop for a second, think, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. And if you are, in fact, correct, it doesn't take very long for you to realize that. Like, you know, uh Humans have the ability to fly. Well, I don't think that's true, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, wait, I've never seen a human without assistance fly. So right there, you just you go through that thought process mm. over the most trivial thing possible. And I think you, you will probably make this world a significantly better place to realize that it's very possible that you're wrong. And oftentimes you are, in fact, wrong. Hmm. That's good. How many times have you heard me say that? I'm probably that I'm wrong. A lot. You told me that a lot. That I'm I'm probably wrong. That actually came. That entire idea that you just said came uh, from my religious deconstruction. 
I, I realized I was probably wrong about everything. And I've held that vantage point since then. That's good. I mean, it's just, it's a critical thinking exercise. Like yeah, even if- I'm probably like, wrong. Yeah. But I mean, even if you're right, then you self-correct pretty quickly. Yeah. Like even when you hear these extreme views from anybody, yeah. like just stop for a second. Like maybe they're right, maybe I'm wrong. And then, I mean, if you are correct, you, you usually self-correct yeah. really quick. That's good, man. Well, thank you, dude. Thanks, Eric, for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude, Ashlyn, it's good to see you again, buddy. Mm -hmm. All right, bye, everybody.